Hello, and in today's episode, we're going to be looking at how to write an essay in A-level history. We're going to be looking at how to deconstruct the essay question itself. We're going to be looking at how to structure your introductions and conclusions. But of course, we will also look at how to structure main body paragraphs and how maybe the P or peel paragraphs you've been taught might not work at A-level history. Let's begin by deconstructing the essay question. Remember, you have 45 minutes to answer one of these essay questions. So you want to spend around about five minutes breaking down the question and planning how you're going to tackle it. So when you're deconstructing the essay question, you want to remember this mnemonic, CFL. C stands for the command words, F, the focus of the question, and L, any possible limitations that can be found in the question. Limitations might not always be present though. So what do you need to do then when you're deconstructing an essay question? Well, let's begin with C, the command words. With A-level history, it's likely that the command words will either be assess, to what extent, or how important, or how significant, or how effective. We're going to start with assess questions. We'll take a look at one in a moment. The assess command word tells you to explain the importance of a range of factors. You don't just explain the factors, you don't just identify them and explain them. You need to explain why they might be important or what might limit their importance as well. For to what extent questions, you're making a judgment about extent. So, Think of a sliding scale. Your answer might be mostly, completely, or maybe somewhat. You will need to consider a range of factors again, but not just the evidence for the named factor in the question. Again, we'll have a look at an example of this so that it makes a little bit more sense in a moment. Lastly, you might have a how important or a how significant or a how effective question. When you're tackling these sorts of questions, you want to have some sort of criteria in mind against which you can judge a factor's importance or significance or success. Now, these might be themes. It might be economic or political. It could be a range of things, really, but you will need to reach a judgment for each issue and then an overall judgment based on the series of interim judgments or mini conclusions that you had been making earlier. Let's now turn our attention to the focus of the question. F. Now, this is something that will tell you what the essay is actually about. It might refer to an event like the Cuban Missile Crisis, or it could be about a policy like Nixon's policy of Vietnamization, perhaps. You want to avoid writing all that you know about that topic, and you will need to pay attention to the specific focus of the topic. 
Now, when you're looking at the focus, you might also here want to be thinking about the argument. And this is the decision that you're going to have to make about the focus. We'll take a look at an example in a moment. And then lastly, L is the limitation. This will be a phrase or a word in the question that limits what you can write about. It could, for example, be the time period. However, it might not just be the time period. It could be about just domestic policy or foreign policy, for example. So if you're asked to talk about domestic policy, writing about foreign policy won't be answering the question much. But as I say, after the break, let's take a little look at some examples, some past paper questions and how we can deconstruct those questions. Welcome back. Let's put this mnemonic of CFL into practice. We're going to look at two past paper questions. Now, the first one is a to what extent question. So remember, what we need to do here is to make a judgment about extent. So think of that sliding scale. Your answer might be mostly, completely or somewhat here. So this question was from the 2021 AQA Cold War paper. To what extent did McCarthyism influence American foreign policy in the years 1950 to 1955? So here we are going to have to have that sliding scale in mind. But first, let's just remind ourselves as to what the focus is here. So this is what the essay is about. And in the case of this question, the thing you need to be writing about is American foreign policy, not domestic policy. Now, the argument about that focus is you're going to need to decide whether the biggest influence on American foreign policy was McCarthyism or maybe it was something else. So you might say American foreign policy was mostly influenced by McCarthyism completely, somewhat, partially influenced by McCarthyism. That's the decision that we're going to need to make. Now, the limitation, this is what's going to limit the scope of your answer, in this case is going to be the time period of 1950 to 1955. So the obvious thing to do now is to compare McCarthyism against two other things you know influenced American foreign policy at this time. Now, paragraph one is going to have to be about McCarthyism because that's the named factor. But in other paragraphs, you might look at the Korean War of 1950 to 1953. You could look at Harry S. Truman himself and his policies of containment. Or alternatively, you might want to look at the role that the loss of China in 1949 played. Let's take a look at another question that's a little different. In this case, we're going to look at an assess question. So remember, we need to explain not just the factors, but explain why they're important, or in this case, how successful they were. Now, the question this time is from 2020. Nixon's policies towards Vietnam in the years 1968 to 1972 were a total failure. 
assess the validity of this view. Now, this time we've got a different focus. The focus this time is Nixon's policies towards Vietnam. And the argument about that focus is that they were a total failure. Now, the limitation this time is still a time period, but the time period now is 1968 to 1972. So this time we're going to take a little look at breaking down that focus. Nixon's policies towards Vietnam. Now, my advice to you would be for this question, you'd need to break down that focus into the different policies that Nixon had towards Vietnam. In paragraph one, you could look at Vietnamization and whether that was a total failure or not. Maybe it was a partial failure. Maybe it was a partial success. Maybe it was a complete success. In paragraph two, I'd look at a different policy and diplomacy and relations with the Soviet Union and China. And again, the decision that you're going to have to make is whether they're a total failure or not. Again, you may disagree and think that they were completely successful or just partially uh, unsuccessful. And in paragraph three, our last policy that we'd look at might be something like the extension of the war into Cambodia and Laos. So you can see we've had two different questions here and we've broken them down in different ways, but in both cases, we have been looking at that mnemonic of CFL and putting it into practice. Now, after the break, we're going to have a look at a different question, a question that is much more in keeping with what we've been studying recently with the beginnings and the origins of the Cold War. Welcome back. Now, before the break, we were looking at putting the mnemonic CFL in practice and looking at some past paper questions. But recently, we have been studying the beginnings, the origins of the Cold War and what the relationship was like between the superpowers by 1945. So let's look at a question that is linked to that area of the course. Imagine you had the question, quote, it was the USA's commitment to a post-war democratic Europe that caused both the Yalta Conference and Potsdam Conferences to end in failure. Assess the validity of this view. Now, remember that this is an assess question. So we're going to have to look at some different factors here and decide which ones perhaps damaged the relationship between the, the big three, the leaders of the Soviet Union, the United States and Britain most. Now, in this question, we've got a statement. It was the USA's commitment to a post-war democratic Europe that caused both the Yalta and Potsdam conferences to end in failure. Now, because this question has the word validity in it, assess the validity of this view, you're going to need to decide whether you think that that is logically and factually correct. And you're going to assess it by examining the facts and arguments that support 
or contradict it. Now, one of the possible explanations as to why the Yalta and Potsdam conferences ended in failure is given in the question, the USA's commitment to a post-war democratic Europe. So that means that paragraph one in this case is going to have to be about USA's commitment to post-war liberal democracy and democratic Europe. But what could the other factors be? Well, another factor could be the US atomic monopoly. You might remember in one of our episodes on the Potsdam conference, this is when the atomic bomb was successfully tested. This enlivened Harry S. Truman and maybe concerned the Soviet Union that the arms race was very much weighted in favour of the USA at the time. Another factor you might look at was the fact that there was no real long-term plan for Germany. At the Yalta conference in particular, but also at the Potsdam conference, there was differences of opinion about whether Germany would be permanently divided or not. Whether it should be developed to become a reliable ally or not. A third factor could be the problem over Poland. A bit like Germany, there were differences of opinion, you might remember, but particularly for Poland, there was an argument about who should participate in Polish government and how those elections should take place. The last factor you might look at is the ideological divisions. You might remember in episode one, we looked at the differences of opinions between liberal democratic capitalist Western ideology and the communist Eastern European ideology. Now, in particular, when you're looking at paragraph one, you're going to think about the extent of the negative impact of the USA's position on post-war democratic Europe. You may actually disagree and think that actually it didn't harm the relationship. But now that we've thought about breaking down that question and thinking about how it might be structured, we're now going to look at our introductions and conclusions, thinking in particular about how we make judgments when answering essay questions. Welcome back. In this last section, we're going to be thinking about making judgments. Now, it's really important that we focus on this because this is the main way in that really we can improve our essay skills on both the depth and the breadth paper. If we think about judgments, when you think about when we do them and how we do them as well. A level one answer, remember there's five levels, will largely leave the examiner to do all the work they won't know what your answer is. When we come to level two, the answer will be much more of a narrative. It'll be a bit of a story. Lots of knowledge in this particular sort of answer. When we start to get to level three, you're beginning to answer the question. There'll be a simple summary of the factors. There might be a lack of confidence, a, 
a few errors here and there, but you're beginning to answer the question. It's when you get to level four and five that really it's your judgment, it's your answer that's leading the rest of the answer. At level four, you might have individual paragraphs on factors that largely exist independent of each other, but there'll still be a judgment there. To get into level five, not only will there be a really clear judgment and answer, but there'll be real balance. The paragraphs will be linked together and it'll be explicit from beginning to end what your view is. But what do we mean by making judgments? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we really want to be thinking about that level five quality. You're going to have to have a really clear answer. There's going to need to be real balance and your factors are going to need to be linked together. So let's look at a couple of hypothetical uh, metaphors, really. So. Imagine that you've committed a crime and the barrister gave a range of arguments. You'd be quite dissatisfied with your barrister defending you. Really, what you want from your barrister is to not just give a range of arguments, but to use balance to strengthen their argument. Let me give you another example. Imagine you wanted to go out. How would you convince your parents to let you go out? Would you provide a range of arguments or would you provide balance to strengthen your argument? You'd probably do the latter rather than the former. Rather than saying, look, there's multiple arguments here. Um, you're right. Last time I stayed out. I was out too long, I was beyond the curfew, the time that you wanted me to come home. But equally, it's my friend's birthday. Another point is I haven't seen them in a long time. You wouldn't really do that. What you'd probably do instead is something more along the lines of, look, yeah, it's true, last time I was out, I was out too late. But the problem with that argument is, ultimately, I had to stay out later because my friend was ill and I had to look after them. I couldn't leave them on their own. What's more, there's actually other arguments out there too. You've got to bear in mind that I haven't seen my friend in quite some time and it is their birthday. So you're not just giving a range of arguments, you're using these arguments to strengthen your position. So let's look at where you would really make these judgments. The first place you do this would be in your introduction. And here there's a really useful mnemonic to remember, DTA. The D stands for any terms or that you might need to describe or explain. The T is where you set out the themes and the things, the factors that you're going to discuss. But A is the critical bit. That's where you set out your argument that you're going to be presenting throughout your answer, throughout your essay. But you also would do it elsewhere as well, not just in the introduction. 
When you're writing your main body paragraph, it's really important to make clear what your position is. So for example, let's go back to that question that we were looking at earlier, which was about the Yalta and the Potsdam conferences. Now here, you might really want to talk about the focus in the question first. That's really quite important. You're gonna to want to be talking about the USA's commitment to a post-war democratic Europe. But how would you make a judgment here? You might start off the paragraph with the signpost sentence, it was the USA's commitment to a post-war democratic Europe that caused both the Yalta and Potsdam conferences to end in failure, if that's what you think. Alternatively, if you disagree with that view, you might say something like, while the USA's commitment to a post-war democratic Europe played a role in making sure that the Yalta and Potsdam conferences ended in failure, the role of the USA's atomic monopoly was far more important. So you've got two options there, but in both of them, in both of those signpost sentences, you're making clear the facts that you're going to talk about and your judgment about them as well. Now, we've talked about the introduction and we've talked about the main body paragraphs. The last place that we might make a judgment is in the conclusion. Again, thankfully, there's a mnemonic for this. The mnemonic here is JAR. J, really important. Make sure you start the conclusion with a clear overall judgment on the question. A, this is where the balance comes in. What is the potential alternative, that's the A, the alternative to the judgment that you've come to? Okay, so we're introducing a range of arguments now. Your view, the alternative view. And R is really important here too. R stands for return. You're going to return to your judgment and explain why you have decided that it is superior to the alternatives. If we were just giving range, we would just talk about your view and the alternative. But we want balance. We want to look at the alternatives and say, no, actually, my judgment, my factor, the one that I've picked, is actually the most important one, the one that really decides the answer, is really the most significant or the most important. So we've looked at breaking down the question, we've looked at some past paper questions, and we've looked at making judgments. Hopefully you found this particular podcast helpful. And if you have, please let us know. Please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. Please make sure that you leave us a rating and, and give us also some hints about what you might like us to cover in the future and any particular questions you might have as well.